0: Good morning, everybody. Before we look at several scriptures today, just a brief announcement that I kind of forgot to make um, a week or so ago. Um, Plans fail at times. And there are adjustments that we make and we will not be bringing in a replacement for Jessica just yet as far as music goes. Um, Things just did not seem to mesh together on the other end and so uh, we'll resume our search and i hope i don't know if jessica can hear this back behind the platform here she does such a good job it's kind of hard to search real (laughs) but we will um because she she wants to dedicate more time to her other job here um, at our church so at any rate um, just an update there the beginning of january we will um, Not have a new music director, but we're in wonderful hands with Jessica. So, there are three or four scriptures, maybe even more than that, um, that we want to look at today. This is the fourth Sunday of what is called Advent in the Christian calendar. And following several different kinds of themes for those four Sundays... Um, This year we've been looking at love and hope and joy, and now we want to look at peace. The, The Christmas theme scripture is Isaiah 9, and we'll read just verses 6 and 7. A child will be born to us a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor by the way that doesn't mean marriage counselor it's attorney Um, it's an advocate on our behalf before god the father the judge of all the earth he is my public defender who takes up my case when i repent and pleads my case obtaining forgiveness from the father because i've met the conditions of repentance and faith so anyway wonderful counsel means he's a good lawyer those are rare anyway The government will be on his shoulder, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Second scripture that I'd like to read, and you can turn to these if you wish, if not, that's fine. Jesus in his parting discourse with the disciples in John 14, beginning in verse 25, he's telling them that he will leave, but he said, I won't be leaving. I will leave, but I will come again to you. They didn't completely understand that. He began then to explain, in the person of my spirit, the Holy Spirit, I will return to you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come back to you. Not physically, but in the person of the Holy Spirit. And in that context then, he says in 25, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Then, <clears throat> Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, meaning a relationship put right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are enough for now. Those scriptures, I'll refer to several more. But I want us to look this morning at the the whole business of the biblical teaching of peace and what it means, what it's about, what, what kind of peace is the scriptures teaching us. First, definitions of peace whether it's webster's dictionary or it's um, theology it's pretty much the same meaning it's a state of tranquility and harmony a state of tranquility and harmony even in biology in science there's that state homeostasis it's, it is is called where all the systems of an organism are in equilibrium and they are each functioning and balanced as they should be so there's harmony we experience that we are fearfully and wonderfully made it's easy for a chemical imbalance or some sort of enzyme or whatever to get out of balance and when we get out of balance then what we what do we call that? We're sick. We don't feel good. If it's severe enough it drives us to the doctor. That's physical tranquility and balance and harmony. There's the kind of peace next that is There's really several kinds of peace. There's an external peace. There's internal peace. There's a negative side to peace and a positive side. The external peace that we understand is, we could say first, peace among nations, among peoples. And there's a positive and a negative. The negative is the absence of conflict and warfare. The positive, and really for peace to be peace, it has to have both sides. The negative, what we don't have, quarreling, fighting, bickering, bitterness, hatred. The positive is in its place a sense of ease and even pleasure with the other person's company. So there's a tranquility, there's harmony. Further, there is the external peace among this interpersonal. It's in relationships. Um, It's a reflection of internal peace, usually, but external peace is peace among families, among spouses, among friends so forth. Often that's lacking. The kind of peace that really, though, all humans, whether they recognize it or not, whether they understand the cause or not, the most sought after and the most important peace is the inner peace of the heart and of the mind. Why is that sought for? And hear me, you don't seek for something you already have. So why is the entire world sadly, tragically, and in some cases frantically, seeking for this inner peace? Because we don't have it. And why don't we have it? Because worldwide, every single human being, we are in a state as a human race, we're in a state of rebellion against our maker and our moral governor, the one who never takes his eye off of us. The eyes of the Lord, this To me, ought to scare us. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Psalm 139. Where can I go to ever get away from the presence of God? No matter where I go, he's there. And he is not silent. He has An opinion about us and our behavior, our attitudes, our relationship to Him. Whether I disregard Him or I love Him and follow Him. He pays attention. He has an opinion about us. And the problem for us is that He won't be quiet about His opinion of us. He will tell us daily, hourly, repeatedly regardless of whether we ask for his opinion. He'll tell you. And how does he convey to us that he is not pleased with the fact that we're charting our own course, deciding our own values, writing our own laws, and in the course of that, we are rejecting all of God's laws, all of God's claims on us that he has every right to make. He made us. He gives us the breath in our hearts and lives. He is the source of life. And he has something to say about how we ought to live. And when we don't live that way, what does he do? He troubles us. In normal use, even among unbelievers and people that don't Pay attention to God. We have that, that term, conscience. My conscience bothered me. Don't you even have a conscience, people will say, in surprise at how some people can do some things. What's the matter with you? It's because it is a universal reception um, receiver and transmitter that we have in here and by giving us peace or taking peace away from us God is talking to me and every one of us here know what that's like we all know when we've said or done something and our conscience an old word that you'll find in older versions of the Bible. It'll say so-and-so did something and his heart smote him. You ever read that? You know what that feels like? My heart smote me. <laughs> My conscience ate at me. I had a dear soul just within, not very long ago, that felt that he had said something to me that had bothered me. I didn't even know what he was talking about. But apparently he felt like he had a bad attitude and when when what he said whatever he said. And he told me how many days that had eaten at him until he could get to church. He didn't want to talk to me on the phone. He wanted to speak to me face to face. He was just, he said, I was just bothered all the time. Well, I don't even know if he needed to apologize. But nevertheless, he felt he did, and it bothered him. All the terms we use about the lack of peace are trouble. It's troubled. We're upset. We're we're frantic sometimes. We're beaten down. We're guilty. We feel shame. Now today, in today's preaching world, it seems, in the Christian world, the biggest job that we have as ministers of the gospel is to make sure you don't feel any shame or any guilt. That's our job. Soothe everybody pour honey over everything but that's not our job nor is it God's job God's job is to stir us up to poke us, to prod us, to bug us to harass us, harangue us dog our steps to haunt us To keep poking his finger in our chest and saying, you know what you did, I saw it. I heard it. That's God's job. And we call that conviction, loss of peace. David described it, he says, your arrows have sunk deep into my heart. That's, That's what God has to do. To... Make us sick enough of the way we're going so that we will begin, our ears will begin become attuned to God's call. Return to me. Come back to me. Call on me. I'm not going to get off into politics but look at what's going on in our country today. This this. This is happening even politically and socially and culturally. We have gotten rid of God's laws. Don't tell me what to do. We know best. We're all running around, the truth of the matter is, with dunce hats on, what they used to do in the 1800s. Of course, this suppressed everybody's um, self-image and all that. But if you messed up in class... Listen, when I was... (laughs) In junior high, I had just this horrible fiend of a teacher. I can't remember um, what I had done. But he actually had, he was kind of an old school teacher, I think he was a math teacher. And he, I don't know what I did, but um, he put me in a stool on the corner facing the rest of the class with one of those pointy dunce hats on. (laughs) Now today, of course, he'd have been fired, hung, quartered, canceled because he hurt my self-esteem. I don't remember what I did, but I know I didn't do it anymore. (laughs) You understand what I mean? So we're running around with dunce hats on and our policies are destroying us. They're literally destroying the fabric of our culture. But people are starting to notice it. And what are they doing? Even the people who foment this kind of policy change, are backing off saying, man, we we can't keep going this way. Jeremiah said, the prophet, he said, your sins will instruct you, and your iniquities will teach you and correct you. God, then, is in the business of making us so disturbed So unpeaceful, so untranquil, so troubled in heart that we will consider and hopefully decide to turn around. And that's what the word repent means, to turn around and go the other direction. No one ever repents, no one repents, who hasn't become sick of the direction they're going enough to turn around and go a different way. So God has to take away peace from us so we're troubled in our spirit. Otherwise, we won't turn to God. So there is an inner peace that the Bible's mostly talking about. The Bible clearly makes the case that we're not always going to have environmental peace, meaning peace in our interrelations and peace in our world but we can have inner peace and that's what the Bible's talking about when we read Romans, now that we have trusted in Jesus and been forgiven of our sins, we have peace with God the hostilities have ceased the warfare is over I have laid down my arms and I have said I give up. I want to go your way. That's the only way I can ever find the inner peace that all of us hunger for. And that hunger for it drives us to seek it in a thousand different places, all of them wrong. When Jesus said to the disciples... My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives you. What do you mean by that? The the peace the world gives us is all circumstances. It's enough money. It's health. It's pleasure. It's leisure. It's all based on stuff. And things, and fame, and how many followers you have, on—I don't even know what. I think I'm one of the three people in the whole world that aren't uh, don't have a what, what do they call it, a podcast. I mean, everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's got something where they're, you know, here's here's me ordering a Italian BMT at Subway. Aren't you impressed? It, this this thing this world's nuts i hate to tell you this but i really don't care what you did for lunch <laughs> there's a whole lot of things i don't care it's just crazy but it's a symptom it's a symptom of the core tap root of sin which is self-centeredness i want i want i want i want i want this is my This is my agenda. These are my feelings. This is my story. This is my narrative. Now, put millions of people in the same piece of ground called a country, and you have millions of people who have my truth, my way, my feelings, my opinions, my agenda. And what do you got? An absolute hopeless mess. And you have everything opposite of peace. Can't have tranquility like that. Once we settle then. The fight in our hearts with God. Meaning I live my life. I do what I want. Once we settle that. There is peace with God okay there is a ceasing of hostility between me and God when I was far 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 away from God and I'm you know I'm old enough that it was around just around the time that Alexander Graham Bell you know invented things and somebody came up with the idea of radio well, we never had. I never heard of. When I was in junior high and high school, uh, FM was a big new deal. That's. I mean, do you see what I'm? How how decrepit I am? And they always went off uh, AM, especially. Would always go off uh, the air at midnight. And so, growing up in Eugene, Oregon, out on the weekends, up to no good. um... I'd be finally heading home to sneak in the house by the basement door and it'd be after midnight. And they played the national anthem and then it was just static. And you know what? I'm telling you, God's got to watch. He knows what time it is. And I would sit at a stoplight someplace in Eugene, nothing but static on the radio, dead quiet, and God, I know God was sitting in the bucket seat next to me, and I mean it. And those were the worst times I had ever had. I I'd had, I'd spent the evening... Make it enough hullabaloo and nonsense and idiocy that you could push God's voice away. He'd still ding you here. But when it gets quiet, that's why this whole world hates quiet. Because in the quiet, there's a still, small voice. And that finger poking you, you know what you did. I saw it. You can't worm your way out of it. I saw it. Those times God would just, they were, I'd cry. You can, you can cry and still be cool in your own mind if there's nobody else to see you. So I remained cool, which was the ultimate value of all life. But my heart was sick the day I finally knelt by my bed and told God, Lord, I'm so sorry for the way I've lived, what I've been doing. You know it. You're beating me over the head with it. I'm sick of it. I don't want to go this way anymore. I've had it. Such a quiet, deep peace came over my heart. Just like Romans 5, I had peace with God. My conscience was no longer assaulting me. I had peace. The whole world changed. Literally. My parents stopped being jerks immediately. I don't know what happened to them. My four siblings weren't near the pests that i was sure they were things cleared up some of the people that i thought were my best friends weren't my whole eyesight changed dominated by peace with god finally the hunger for tranquility and peace with my maker And for a time, I mean this right. My tormentor, God torments us. We're wrong. You're going the wrong direction. Turn around. Straighten up. Don't do that. But how thankful I became. And every one of you that have experienced that know exactly what I'm talking about. You're grateful to God that he absolutely... (laughs) Beat knots on your head until we finally turn to God and said, Lord, I give up. I'm, I'm not bucking against you anymore. Peace with God. Jesus came to give that peace. <clears throat> Very closely aligned with that peace is the word rest that we see in Scripture. Jesus said, every one of you That labor, meaning, and the word there is to struggle. Every one of you that struggle and are heavily burdened, come to me. And the translations of the Bible says, I'll give you rest. But the literal literal words, I will rest you. I'll be your rest. In Ephesians, Paul said, he himself is our peace. It isn't that he gives as an external, here's some peace. He's our peace when he moves into our heart. I have peace with God. There is then a Spiritual kind of peace that flies in the face of all the circumstances around us. One thing I was thinking about these four things that we've put over here on the wall Jesus came to give us all that, and He does. But how does that shine in a dark world? All four of these things, by the way, are choices every one of them, are commands. When Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's a choice. Even peace, then, is a decision I won't let my heart be upset. I won't let my heart be troubled. I won't look at all of these things I can see as reality. I'll keep my eyes riveted on Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, and will win the victory. So all of these are choices. Loving. We just feel, well, I just feel I don't care how we feel. It's It's a command to love. It's a command to rejoice. Again I say, Paul said, rejoice. And to have hope is patience. It's a choice. The Second thing about all these, the only way these qualities of Christ and of Christians are shown the clearest, unfortunately, are when we're in circumstances where the opposite would be expected by onlookers. Does that make any sense to you? So when is love, the love of God, shown? It's shown when you're facing unlovable people, but you love them anyway. Do you understand? What a wonderful Christian. He really loves his friends, his other Christians. Jesus said that the tax collectors and the heathen are happy with each other. But he said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Be kind to those that curse you. So God lets us get in situations where we're dealing with obnoxious people and the onlooking world can't figure out why we aren't hating when they do. In the same way, it's when the Christian has joy in sorrow, when the Christian has hope, when, like the old hymn says, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And it's when there's no peace that a person has peace in their heart. That's when it shines the brightest. So God allows us as his representatives to find ourselves in situations where we shouldn't have peace, yet we do. And the world looks at that and it is exactly what Philippians says. The peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Jesus. It passes all understanding because the world's brand of peace is solely based on favorable circumstances. That's not the kind of peace Jesus gives us. His peace is in spite of That makes sense? The peace of God There's two kinds of peace. There's peace with God and there's the peace of God. Peace with God is what comes into our hearts when we are saved when we're born of the Spirit. As we walk with God as a Christian, we will uncover and discover in our hearts the old sinful nature we were born with, which is at odds with the Spirit of Christ residing in my heart. And James called it being double-souled. That begins to dim our inner peace, because there is there are cross currents in my heart. I want to go with Jesus, and that's the overpowering one. But there's a there is a conquerable, doesn't dominate me. But there is a voice, there is a tendency, an inclination that I can't silence, and it is still self will. And as long as Jesus answers every prayer and gives us every job we pray for and heals everybody that we know is sick, he's a great God. We're just like the Israelites in the wilderness. Oh, I tell you, there's no God like this God. They, and they were dancing in tambourines and just going to town. There is no God like this God. Three days later, when they got short on water, they said, he brought us out here. Now this is the same God. He brought us out here in the wilderness to kill us. What? And we're going back to Egypt. We're sick of this. What's the matter? That's what God wants to take out of my heart in the baptism with the Spirit, this core of self-will. He'll reveal it in his own time, and every Christian discovers it and to have then the peace of God which is that deep serene sense i don't care what the circumstances are peace of God in here that comes with utter complete resignation to the will of God lord thy will be done i don't care what it is we pray that whenever we pray the lord's prayer thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven How's the, word, how's the will of God done in heaven? As far as I know, completely. Immediately. Gladly. No, the angels aren't grousing around. I tell you what, I wouldn't do it that way. I, I don't know. No, the angels aren't sitting around. And then when maybe the Lord shows up, they, you know, I, we weren't talking about you. God wants to take that out of my heart and give me the peace of God. Let me give you an illustration. I'll go ahead and name the person. They're they're not here which is why I'll mention it. But I have never, I'll never forget this. I've had an awful lot of experiences in my years in the ministry. But I was in an ICU room in Rapid City and Robert Parrish, who just last month, it would be, I believe, two years ago last month, in a wreck on an icy Highway 50, right out here, further down, fatally injured, and it was time to make the decision, once the brain scans revealed where things were, to disconnect all the life support. And Liz and I were there with Gene, his wife. And that isn't the first time I've gone through that. But, boy, you talk about something that is the opposite of peace. The decision was made. Nurses, we left. The nurses disconnected everything. In a few minutes, we were back in there. And I was sitting back, we were sitting back just a bit from the foot of the bed, and Jean was at the side of the bed. And that awful the minutes creep by while you wait for someone to qu- quit breathing. That's the picture I want to paint of what we were dealing with. And I remember Jean was like this on the rail of the bed, just like that. We were, you know, just quiet. And we had had prayer and then taken those positions. And all of a sudden, she just raised her head up. She turned and looked at us. I'm not imagining it. There was just light on her face and she said I have such peace I have such peace that's all she said but she just I I, she almost had a look of being surprised at herself how could I have this but I do were there tears of course was there sorrow yes lingering today but that's the kind of peace that the Prince of Peace can give us. and That's why he says, it passes understanding. This world can't figure that out, save their lives. But God gave it to us. That's what we can experience. If we don't have that peace, there's only one way to get it. And if we don't have that peace, it's because somewhere I'm out of alignment with God. And the only way to ever get it is to repent of whatever that misalignment is, which he calls sins, and by the grace of God quit them. Continue to walk with him until you come to a second Y in the road where you die. You die out. You renounce my agenda, my opinions, my will, my plans, and say, Lord, thy will be done. I trust you with my very life, my soul, my plans. You choose better than I want to choose. I quit trying to run kind of a parallel plan. Thy will be done. There's the peace when we give up our way that passes understanding. The only way to it is the deep fellowship with God based on utter resignation to the will of God. Period. Do we have it? In spite of the circumstances, is there that deep pocket in here of it's okay? God's on the throne. He's got me. He's holding my hand saying, I'll help you. Do we have that? Let the peace of Christ, the Bible says, rule in your heart. That's the victory. Let's bow our heads. I just want to ask... Anyone here, <clears throat> in honesty of heart, you could say, you know, I, I wish, I wish for that kind of peace, but I have to acknowledge, I don't have it. And my conscience is bothering me. And God is talking to me and pointing out to me things he's displeased with. And I don't have peace. I don't have peace. But I want it. By just slipping up your hand in a moment, no one else looking at you, just me and the Lord, so I can pray for you. But it helps sometimes to admit even to our own selves, I don't have peace. But I want it. If you want it, then there's only route, one route to it. It's utter surrender to God. And peace floods our soul beyond anything we can imagine. Anybody just slip your hand up and say, I don't have that, but I know I, know I want it, and I think I know how to get it. <laughs> and I plan to set out on that road to get it. Anybody just slip your hand up and say, that's, that's where I'm at. Anybody else? Thank you. Father in heaven, you see every heart. You know every one of us. Uh, You know our sorrows, our fears, our hopes. There isn't anything about us you don't know. And Lord, we can't measure the love you have for us and how much you want to, by your own presence, entering into our hearts, give us peace, hope, joy, love. That's your will for us. Help us see, Lord, in every individual case here, every heart, every hand raised. Lord, help us see. I just have to repent, confess to you, and turn from it and trust you, that you are for me, not against me. I pray, dear Lord, that the seeds may be sown today. You would cultivate it and water it and bring it to the point of we understand what we have to do to get peace with God. Make that our uppermost desire. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.